and welcome to the Film Report, Episode 2. I'm Gabby. And I'm Michael. And this week we watched the 1986 drama romance film Desert Hearts. Directed by Donna Deitch, featuring Helen Shaver, Patricia Charbonneau, and Audra Lindley. Desert Hearts is set in 1959 in Reno, Nevada, which at the time, um, in the 50s, was the divorce capital of America, apparently. It is an adaptation of the novel Desert of the Heart, which was written by Jane Rule in 1964. And with that brief little preamble, uh, Michael, do you want to take it away with a summary? All right. Desert Hearts follows Helen Shaver's Vivian Bell, a English professor in her mid-30s who comes to Reno, Nevada in 1959 to obtain a divorce. And to do so, she has to establish residency in Reno, Nevada, which is a process that takes about six weeks. She stays at a ranch that hosts women coming into Reno for specifically this purpose. And while uh, she is in Reno, she gets to know Patricia Charbonneau's Kay and the two women begin a relationship, which is the primary focus of the movie. I also wanted to give a little brief overview of the characters because there's a lot of different names to remember. So I'll be repeating a little bit of what you said. But first, we have Kay, played by Patricia Charbonneau. She's 25 years old. She's a sculptor. She lives with her stepmom, Frances. And well, I don't know. I mean, I guess she's kind of a stepmom. It's not totally established whether what exactly their relationship is. And she works at a casino. Vivian, played by Helen Shaver, is a 35 year old professor. She's come to Reno to get divorced. And then Francis was some sort of an ambiguous partner for Glenn, who was Kay's father, who has passed. And Walter is Francis's son, or Kay's kind of stepbrother-ish figure. Silver is Kay's best friend at the casino, who is engaged to Joe. And then Daryl is a manager at the casino who professes his love to Kay many a time. (laughs) Yeah, worth laying out who all the players are. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, I guess we'll move into our fast facts. Michael, do you want to give the first fast fact? Sure. My first fast fact is that a sequel to Desert Hearts is currently in the works from Donna Deitch. The sequel will be set in New York City during the second wave of the women's liberation movement. The two main characters of Desert Hearts will reappear, but they will be playing more of a supporting role, is what I understand, uh, with new characters um, as leads. Uh, So if you like this movie, get excited. Yeah, good timing on our part to start watching it now. We freshen our memory when the sequel comes out. Exactly. Um, my fast fact is, this is a small one, but they 
re-released uh, Desert Hearts a few years ago with a 4K restoration. Um, and so now it is available through Criterion, and we actually we watched it tonight through the Criterion channel. Yes, we did, and it looked great. It did. It looked so good. Absolutely. Back to me? Yes. <laughs> All right. My next fast fact is that the movie contains one very intimate love scene between uh, Kay and Vivian. Yeah, I was trying to remember the actress's name at the same time, but oh, yes, yeah. you are correct. And Donna Deitch deliberately scheduled the love scene to be shot on the second to last day of the shoot in order to give the actresses as much time as she could to get to know each other before they shot the scene. I have no idea how common something like that is, but it still jumped out to me as something that makes a lot of sense and that I could see would be tremendously helpful for actresses doing something that is so difficult and especially was so difficult at the time. This was groundbreaking for its depiction of, of sex uh, in such an intimate fashion. Um, that was an interesting tidbit. What else you got? Um, when they were searching for the two main leads, um, I it sounds like they were looking for the part of Kay first, and they Donna Deitch came across um, Patricia Charbonneau's photo, and just when she saw it, she immediately had this feeling of that's her, that's Kay. And, but even on, on her acting headshot or resume, it said that she didn't have any previous acting experience, but she still went ahead and had her submit a video or however they did that and ended up really liking her. Go ahead. All right. My next fast fact, it's actually more of a medium paced fast fact because it's a little bit lengthy, but it has to do with the financing of the film. This was an independently financed film and Deech. Um, it took her about two and a half years to collect all the funding she needed to produce the film to uh, in the way that she wanted to. And she got financing through a kind of DIY grassroots campaign, where, which kicked off with her get, first getting in contact with Gloria Steinem, the well-known and prominent women's rights activist. And expressing to Steinem her interest in making this movie and Steinem asked to see some of her work and Deitch at the time had only made documentaries so Deitch shared with Steinem one of the documentaries she had made. Steinem loved it and they began to host fundraising parties with different people that they had gotten got, that they had heard had money and might be interested in, might be interested in financing a film and they hosted parties for these people in different cities across the US um, and collected funding in this very kind of piecemeal grassroots fashion um, and ultimately pulled it off and and pulled the pulled the money together in that way uh, which I thought was interesting um, yeah that's how it came together the original Kickstarter Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know that they, they did end up, so they raised a little under a million dollars for the film, and then they ended up spending a huge chunk of that budget, 250k, on just the music. 
which makes sense to me now, knowing how many Elvis songs are in the film. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think I read, <laughs> I, I think I read that she had considered using some songs that were just sound-alikes, songs that sounded like some of the actual songs by major artists like Elvis, but was so committed to having a really authentic sound and, and soundtrack that she ended up devoting that much of the budget to the, the music rights. And I think it paid off. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah. It's a good decision. <laughs> Definitely. Um, let's see. Well, another interesting fact that I heard was that the film was, all of the shots were shot in Reno, Nevada on location, except for the shot of the vintage train, which was actually shot in Fillmore, California. And... I found that additionally interest interesting after we finished the movie because it's the both the opening shot and the ending shot that take place at this train. So I was very curious. I'm not. Sh I don't know what the answer is, but I was wondering when they decided to shoot that because um, I feel like it would be so hard to shoot that on a final day, but also on a first day because um, especially for uh what's what's the main actress's name uh helen shaver because she a in the first scene is like totally unaware of what's what's about to happen to her and then in the last last scene is so in love um so it seems like it would be hard to to do both of those on the same day but she must have so yeah that would be hard no yeah. doubt cool i think i have a couple more Fast facts. Another one is one person who saw the movie when it first came out and liked it is Oprah Winfrey. She she liked it and later hired Deech to direct a miniseries called The Women of Brewster Place, which marked Deech's first foray into television. And that's the fact. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that yeah, pretty much up until recently when she's kind of starting to get back into doing the sequel and getting more into narrative features. It's kind of been this this whole time that she's been doing mostly television. Let's see. It was mentioned by the director, Donna Deitch, that she was very aware a lot of actresses were scared to be in the film. And Patricia Charbonneau even said that someone told her... I hope you have fun making this film because it's going to be the last one you're ever in. People very much assumed that it would be a career ruiner. I have one more. It's building off of what you already said about the films reflecting uh, a lesbian romance in a positive light and the mm. film being important for that reason. Um, I'll just kind of build on that and just say that it seems to be um, widely cited as the first lesbian film in which the main characters aren't raped or murdered or they don't commit suicide they don't end up in mental hospitals and i don't know if that is in fact true um but it sounds like it is widely considered to be one of the uh one of if not the first movie to meet that criteria and my final fast fact was that 
Um, I always find it interesting to know what people's inspiration is for their film. The only one that I really found that was sourced by Donna Deitch was The Misfits, which I haven't seen, but it's with Marilyn Monroe, mm. where she travels to Reno, Nevada, and falls in love with Clark Gable. She said that as an influence. Is that what you said? Yeah. Interesting. I have not seen that one myself. Gotta watch it now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all my fast facts. So, just move into the all the thoughts and the conversations. I feel like there's a lot to unpack in this film. First of all, I thought it was gorgeous. Gorgeously shot. You mentioned while we were watching it that Paul Thomas Anderson uses a lot of the same... Or, sorry, not a lot of the same, but he uses the same cinematographer a lot. Right. The cinematographer is Robert Elswit, who has shot, like, There Will Be Blood for PTA, Punch Drunk Love, Inherent Vice. Um, I thought of There Will Be Blood just because that one is also set in the desert for, for some of it. Desert Hearts was kind of one of one of the first films that he shot at that point yeah maybe desert hearts put him on the map i don't know there you go uh lucky donna deach <laughs> good mm-hmm. good taste donna yeah um yeah i was like i feel like the whole neon light aesthetic has come back booming in the last decade and I love that look, but I also feel like sometimes it's a little bit overdone in, in TV and film and also not not just overdone in the sense that I see it all the time, but overdone that in the sense that it's like way oversaturated or just like it doesn't really fit the setting. Um, and I felt like all of this, all of the light and this kind of hazy atmosphere felt very fitting for the place that they were and it felt beautiful and lots of really nice soft light and 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 even yeah even these neon lights had kind of like a soft glow to them it wasn't ever harsh yeah i would completely agree i think it looks fantastic yeah it's usually coming just from signage when uh the two women are out together in the evening um there's one night shot in particular where it's some really nice kind of soft pink and blue light just before they're actually getting into an argument yeah the final quarter or so of the film or probably even further than that um but yeah i think i think the general look and, and style of the film is is really awesome yeah and you don't see pink neon very often and i thought that mm. looked really good especially because the sky had a little bit of a pink purple hue to it yeah yeah and during the day i think there are these really you know kind of wide landscape shots that look really nice they like just capture the blue sky the beige desert um and kind of just you know that feeling of the open road as um helen shaver's character is first coming into reno i think those look great um it just feels big and open and like it just it has some possibility in it yeah totally um, which you know feels entirely relevant thematically it looks it looks nice i thought yeah i thought there was also just a really nice variety of locations and 
set design, there's the ranch, and then there's a hotel, and then there's the casino, and the land, these big landscapes, bars, and all of them had their own kind of feel and lots of really pretty draping and lighting. And yeah, I just, it was very beautiful to look at. Yeah, and very culturally specific there's just a really specific sense of place that it is that it establishes really fast you know 50s americana this very rural country scene from from yeah from costumes and all the production detail that you mentioned it really really convinces you and places you in uh reno nevada in 1959 um and yeah it's great stuff yeah i was actually surprised to like the wardrobe so much too um, I felt like there was a lot of almost kind of iconic wardrobes that could be used as Halloween costumes or something. Mm. Um, specifically, the silk jumper that Kay wears mm, the one white evening. One? Yeah, she's got... Or you said silver, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of silver white and it's got tassels on it and kind of like a bejeweled little design She's got a red belt, red cowboy boots. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's some very clear use of wardrobe to give us a little bit of a sense of these women's personalities, right? The totally. second we see um, Helen Shaver's character. Why do we? Vivian. Her... I always forget her name, too. They don't yeah. say it as much. They don't. As soon, as soon as she steps off the train, she's wearing that kind of gray... Uh, like two button jacket and, and a long skirt. She's you know rigid. She does look like she might have just stepped off the college campus or something like that. She she looks uptight. She looks uncomfortable. She doesn't really look like she's enjoying the heat whatsoever. Unlike Kay, who is completely confident in in her jean shorts and <laughs> you know button up short sleeve shirt. Um, it's it's uh, yeah, just nice little. Um, indications of their personality and inhibit and differences and it in, in in inhibitions and that kind of thing yeah and vivian even talks about her discomfort at the beginning saying she can't wait to get her shoes off and then the moment that she gets back to this ranch she immediately takes off her heels and takes off her tight gray jacket and like tries to get a little bit more comfortable but yeah, mm -hmm. you could definitely sense her her discomfort and rigidity. Mm -hmm. We noted even during the actual watching of the movie that Vivian has her hair uh, tied up towards uh, <laughs> the start of the film. And we mentioned, oh, that hair is definitely coming down at some point, And surely it does. It did. At a natural turning point. Makes sense. And then by the end, it does go back up, but it's not quite as tight. <laughs> It's different. It's, it's different. She's changed. There's some framing of hair around the face as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's changed now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, I also, I was observing throughout the film, too, how the interactions with all of the male characters worked. And I don't think that there was a single male character that had a speaking line that did not hit on one of the women or say something kind of flirtatious or look at them in a very gazy kind of way. And um, I found 
that to be interesting as well. It was kind of like all these, these women having to politely just disengage with these people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I didn't think about the fact that it might be literally every guy who shows up at the movie. It is. I wrote every single one down. That's kind of crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah. And I kind of appreciate that. I don't think there's any, um, any particular guy who stands out as like potentially really violent or threatening or something like that. It's a really casual kind of flirtatiousness that the guys seem to just assume the women want or just, you know, they feel emboldened to do it and the, the, the women have to put up with it again and again and again. And I think the repetition certainly helps get that across. Yeah. And I, I don't know if she, I wouldn't say it's like, it's done in, in in a way that's overdone or like overly obvious, but it's it doesn't necessarily go unnoticed. Um, and there's there's even there's a guy who's outside Kay's house shoveling hay, and Vivian kind of goes in and out of Kay's house. And Kay has a, another woman in there who she was presumably sleeping with. And I'm not sure if this guy is aware of that, but he makes some comment like, how do you get so much traffic without any equipment? Mm. And um, it's just this like super, I don't know, tone deaf kind of saying as if like, oh, if you don't have a penis, like how would anyone want you? And it's just... Mm. Like, kind of, I don't know. It's funny, but also sad. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, uh, the Bechdel test is a, is a test that says, you know, a, a film passes the Bechdel test if it includes two women talking about something other than men. <laughs> Maybe there should be, like, a different test about, like, are there a certain number of men who talk to women in a way that is not flirtatious or something like that. Yeah, I was I was hopeful for the lawyer for a little bit, and then I was I was like maybe he's just here for comedic effect, and then I was like nope, he's hitting on her again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that comment about men constantly making these advances would work if the film even was just a straight romance versus a lesbian romance. But it's just like that much more kind of ironic in a way because the women literally don't want it in this case. Yeah. Um, what else? I, I did find a kind of going back to the cinematography. I I feel like I always really enjoy seeing um, uh, like types of film transitions or types of film shots that in film school you're maybe taught aren't really supposed to be used but I I love it when I see them in film and I see them done well so Mm. like Donna Deitch makes the wipe work (laughs) or the screen wipe the wipes are great soft wipe across the screen she does it a bunch she does across some crossfades where it's like Kay's face fades over to Vivian doing something else. Um, just a lot of with how soft the film is shot, these kind of like soft transitions really worked. And um, and there was even this one shot that I was surprised that she had in there. And I don't even know what to call it because it 
it was like slower than slow motion where she's mm. standing in the shower very briefly. It's just like her shoulders and face. Uh, it's Vivian standing in the shower and it's like, I don't know. It was like, like stop, stop motion. Yeah. Stop right? motion. That Different was kind of, kind of what I was thinking. Something. Yeah. It was a very odd frame rate. Um, and then an, I think an Elvis song is playing over mm. it. Yeah. I, I remember the exact shot you're thinking about. It is kind of a, a, a funky use of, of whatever motion it is, a funky slow motion. Um, I kind of forget what happened immediately before that moment, but yeah, seems just like an emphasis on whatever it is. She's processing there. Um, uh, I think, I think maybe right after the kiss, morning after, perhaps. Yeah, I think it might be. I feel like there's some shots of both of them kind of going about their days without each other, but. Then there's these crossfades where it kind of makes it clear that like they're on each other's minds mm. a little bit. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple thoughts I had. One was about some other films that came to mind. Two that came to mind were Brokeback Mountain mm -hmm. and Boys Don't Cry, which you and I watched together oh, yeah. earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, totally. Boys Don't Cry is Hilary Swank and Chloe Sabini in it. Brokeback Mountain, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Heath Ledger, mm -hmm. the Ang Lee film. Um, but both, um, all those, both of those films, all three of these films are these queer romances, kind of set in rural America, different time periods. Yeah. Um, and I think they all um, have an interest in kind of the intolerant views or small mindedness of certain parts of small town America. Um. But I think this one has kind of an interesting or kind of a unique angle on it in that uh, in, in contrast to Brokeback Mountain where Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger very much have to conceal their affectionate, their affection for each other. Um, there are people in Desert Heart who are not super intolerant, like... <laughs> we could go back to your list of character uh, names. Yeah, so Sil are you thinking of Silva's um fiance Joe exactly. who walks in on Silva and um Kay having a bubble bath together. Exactly. A he's fascinating like, hey, ladies. <laughs> not yeah, yeah, not only is he okay with it, he's married to one of the women yeah. in the tub. Um I thought that was an interesting touch that I think this is maybe a portrait of small town America is not unambiguously intolerant but it does contain people who can have those kinds of views as well as some people who maybe aren't so much um that, that's just kind of a, a different take versus the very stark view of intolerance in something like Brokeback Mountain yeah but something that I thought of during this film was that it was the rural location and the kind of like wide open isolation that gave these two women the opportunity to kind of like have more alone time and privacy to mm. be able to explore their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. <clears throat> Look and character wise, I kind of thought a little bit of David Lynch just with Twin Peaks because mm. of the the small town kind of like eccentric characters. I was specifically mm. thinking of Silva would like live in David Lynch's Twin Peaks world. Mm. Um, but it just, 
I felt like it had a similar look to it and maybe it was when Silva was like singing during her engagement party or whatever it was but I was just feeling those those vibes feeling like like they could be at uh what was there that bar that they go to the the, roadhouse yeah the roadhouse yeah yeah i was thinking the cafe silva would go to the roadhouse and oh for sure hang out there yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's yeah no one does small town charm quite like david lynch does so yeah when you see yeah especially and he's so interested in like the stage too as a place Um, yeah and and i feel like he usually uh uses actors and characters that just look like real people do you think that get they the idea, do you get the idea that this is the kind of relationship will, will that will last or is this a uh first encounter that allows vivian to discover what she truly wants who she truly is um do you have a feeling one way or the other um i don't i mean that makes me think that their their relationship doesn't really have a whole lot of else based on it other than lust and these kind of flirtatious moments where they laugh together. So it's hard to say whether or not there's a whole lot of evidence. Yeah, I, I like, you know, Vivian arrives on the train. That's the first thing in the movie. She gets back on the train at the end. I- metaphorically kind of like the idea of this is just the first pit stop on kind of the long journey of her kind of discovering herself really for the first time um i i kind of get the sense for the reasons you described that it's maybe not something that will last forever but that will serve as an important memory you know it, it, since it is kind of a dreamy kind of memory-ish film with a lot of the kind of soft light and color that we've already talked about i think that suggest how it will kind of feel in her mind for for the rest of her life um and yeah I think it kind of works better for me if I think about it that way because I don't know how convinced I was of their like deep emotional attachment to each other exactly like you said I think the Mm -hmm. chemistry is there I think the like attraction is there but there aren't that many moments that really revealed to me like what it is that they love so much about each other yeah i think it's quite sudden especially from vivian's perspective what exactly you know draws her to k the kiss happens and prior to that i think there's very little that gives us a sense that vivian's interested at all yeah yeah but um yeah i like the idea of this being such like a startling first encounter it's just like her waking up to this and being like whoa this is this is the real deal and that's yeah yeah her very yeah her even kind of saying that she's like never felt anything like this before um i did also want to talk about the film's portrayal or possible opinions on marriage because of a quote and a, f- a little bit of information that I heard about the writer of the the novel Desert of the Hearts, or sorry, Desert of the Heart. So Jane Rule's novel from 1964. Apparently, the first the first line is 
Conventions, like cliches, have a way of surviving their own usefulness. I also know it's on a few different websites that Jane Rule did not support gay marriage, which initially sounds offensive, and then I read more into it and realized that she just kind of didn't like the like idea of marriage at all and felt like mm. it was kind of an age-old convention and described it as a prison-like <laughs> mm. kind of setup. And so knowing that I was just trying to, while watching Desert Hearts, find what the different opinions and portrayals of marriage in the film were. And it didn't really seem like there was any super positive kind of like storyline around marriage other than Silva being very excited to be engaged to Joe. And then you have Francis, who had this kind of seemingly unconventional relationship with Kay's dad, whose mom may have left her or something. Um, and then we have Vivian, of course, who is married at the beginning of the film and coming to Reno to get divorced and describes her, her and her husband as... We're a professional couple, which mm. I thought was a. I was confused by what that really meant, but it almost was like, we don't love each other. Like We're just here for appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much it. That was like all of the relationships that were opened up to. And then, of course, there's Vivian and Kay, who just don't even have the option to get married to each other. However, I did see. There was this one cut that I felt like was kind of tragic where Kay and Vivian are sitting. I think they're sitting at a windowsill. They're both naked and like holding each other. It's a very short little clip and then it cuts and it's Kay sitting in a car next to a bride. And my immediate reaction was, mm. oh my gosh, wait, they got married? And <laughs> then you kind of, you look through the veil that this woman is wearing and you're like, oh no, it's Silva. It's Silva's wedding to Joe. And um, I feel like that was purposeful in a way to be like, I don't know, maybe not. Mm. But I, my initial thought was just like, oh, this is like kind of just a tragic fact that like they're in love, but they don't even have the option to. Maybe some subtle montage at work there. Yeah. Like an interesting to way. Add those, those two together. Yeah. Yeah. One, you like or didn't like? One other just interesting shot that I noticed, the our first glimpse and Vivian's first glimpse of Kay is when they're driving down this road and Kay literally drives backwards mm. to greet them. And I don't know, she's just, she's subverting all of these like, Mm, norms yeah. that we're supposed to abide by for you know no particular reason other than they're just they're just the way that things are it's kind of an iconic entrance into the movie yeah with the sunglasses on <laughs> yeah uh i i think there's music playing at that moment there's a lot of music throughout the movie a lot of great music i don't know i wrote down a few quotes um one was that vivian so Kay's kind of trying to convince Vivian to get into bed with her, and Vivian's kind of reluctant. She doesn't really take that much coaxing. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. no, you should. And then she's like, 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, she says, when I'm retired, I'll simply write a story for my revenge, like, about this or something. Mm. And it's kind of like, everyone is so concerned with what other people will think and what will happen to them, the repercussions. So Yeah. It isn't directly related to your point, but it's coming to mind just because you, the quote you mentioned is just before their, before the love scene, which makes me just want to say that I think both the actresses are really good. I think it's two really great performances. I think Vivian, um, who is played by Helen Shaver, Helen Shaver is especially good in that scene. Um, just, you know, how, how she's trembling and just so startled by what she's experiencing i think is is very um very that really works i liked that donna deach chose not to put music in the scene either Mm -hmm. Um, yeah for a movie with a lot of music we don't get any music there which just really forces you to kind of concentrate on the the intimacy versus yeah. mood or something like that. There is, there is mood to that scene, but it's it's really purely because of just the two bodies, the two the two of them together physically. Yeah, um, yeah. and a lot of that sensation, I I don't think feels like a, about like the intensity of the pleasure so much as it is kind of about like the, just the discovery aspect of it for Vivian, where it just feels like it's like she's just just found something and she's just like wow this is yeah this is great <laughs> there's usually not gay or lesbian sex scenes shown on screen and i feel like the ones that i'm thinking of have been male directors and for at least lesbian scenes and they've been complained about for being too male gazy it felt like very authentic emotions and caring about these two characters and putting a lot of thought into what would be going through both of these characters heads in this moment Mm -hmm. yeah i i'm thinking of something like blue is the warmest color yep that's what i was thinking of too which is a movie i like but yeah those those are very there's a very very different kind of intensity to those scenes um and i think that that even and in that scene i'm pretty sure that it is adele's first time with a woman too but it is like night and day difference yeah there's i think francis is the only one that seems to have commentary about Kay and vivian's lesbian relationship and um she says i can't claim angel's wings but i am normal and I found that interesting because, one, I'm not sure whether or not she had an affair with mm. with Kay's dad or not, but it just felt to me like she, like, she, you know, she's even saying, like, I'm not a saint, but at the same time, it's like she's done conventionally, quote unquote, bad things, but this is just like somehow unacceptable it's like contradictory i don't know it's just yeah it leads you to kind of evaluate what a person like that sense of what's right and wrong really is um yeah 
and and when what really constitutes right and wrong um because yeah it's it, all about normalcy mm -hmm. for her and once again coming back to convention and tradition and following orders yeah very solid supporting performance by the actress who plays Frances, I thought. Definitely. Uh, I, I, I like a role that is as convincing as hers is in relatively little screen time compared to the main players. Mm -hmm. Solid. Yeah, I thought she did a good job too. And it was almost like this weird, <laughs> like, surprise villain she's mm -hmm. <laughs> i like i assumed that she was totally fine with with Kay and her sexuality because she seemed very aware of it and then you know suddenly she kicks Kay out of the house or sorry not Kay, um vivian but anyways yeah my last thought it seems like there was commentary on like the class difference between them because there's there's some commentary on Vivian being a professor and being kind of like this quote-unquote cultured like educated woman there's kind there's this age difference as well which adds this extra layer because Vivian is 10 years older than Kay and it does seem kind of clear that Vivian seems more mature in some ways Francis is not only disapproving of them and like getting into this romantic relationship because it's a lesbian relationship but also maybe disapproving because there's this age difference and like disapproval of you know cultured people who come mm. in here and there seemed like there was some like bitterness from some of these girls that Francis is hanging out with definitely and it's telling that she barks specifically at Vivian and boots Vivian off the ranch and is obviously not happy with Kay either but it seems like she's really aim aiming her frustration at Vivian because she thinks Vivian is the one who maybe instigated this to me it seems like she thinks Vivian is like almost the seducer here or yeah like, like taking that. advantage of her yeah her daughter when it's very much the other way around it but Vivian has the um the age yeah on her yeah yeah, yeah. I, there's not, I mean, after seeing it, I don't, there's not critiques necessarily, like, the next, the next convention for filmmaking to break is, like, creating relationships, like, lesbian and gay relationships with people that just, like, feel more like real people that aren't, like, models. Uh, approachable for many audiences, it's got a very solid pace. I would second most of that. I think my only issue is what we already talked a little bit about, which is just how much material there is really suggesting sort of mm. the depth of interest the two women have in each other, sort of all, you know, is there is there that much nuance or complexity in what it is that they love about each other? You know, I don't know that I come away from it feeling like this is just a, a deeply, intensely moving kind of romance between these two women not to sound too harsh or something like that because I think it's a, a very very nicely portrayed story and, and relationship. Um, I do think there's maybe just a certain uh, level of detail that's maybe missing in what it is that they um, are supposed to l like so much about each other. 
I really liked it. It looks fantastic. It's currently streaming on the Criterion channel, which is where we watched it. I think this is two thumbs up. Definitely. You can also find us on our website, which is now finally up. Um, it is the the filmreportpodcast.com. Find us on Letterboxd as well under Michael Clausen, C-L-A-W-S-O-N, and Gabby Goyette, and that's G-A-B-I, Gabby. Yes. See you next week. <laughs>